Independence Day, celebrate your independence, your freedoms, yep. your rights. Freedom to brew. Freedom to brew. We, we talked about the history of homebrewing way back in the day, right? How I think long? Episode one, yeah, like how long it's been uh, legal for. Is it we'll federally think? legal? Yes. Okay, there's yeah. no states uh, or anything like that, not yet. I don't believe there's any states that homebrewing is illegal or have set any additional clauses to it, anyways. Yeah. Craft breweries sometimes have to fight in states and get in, you know, government disputes, but. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. I digress. All right, so close today and uh, back, of course, Monday morning if you want to pick up your supplies for your home brewing at Niagara Tradition. When the store does reopen, people will be able to see the Buffalo in a Box craft beer can thing that I've been seeing all over Twitter and Facebook, yep. which features three of our local breweries, each coming out with a limited edition beer and can. So if anyone hasn't seen it, what is it and how can they get it? Well, I think you get it at consumer beverages. Um, we've already checked out some of the cans. I noticed Resurgence Brewing Company was uh, putting stuff up on their Twitter, of kind of a video that you know showed the cans coming through the production line, which you know a lot of people have seen bottles come through, maybe to local brewing company and seen you know a bottling line day. Um, but it was kind of interesting to see the can. I know I watched the video several times to kind of get the handle on it and you know beer in a can craft beer in a can is becoming much more popular so i mean there's certain breweries that always you know stuck to it a little east of us heady topper mm-hmm. has always been in a can you have uh dave's brewing company they do or dale's i'm sorry dale's pale they ale. do yeah dave's pale ale old chub uh golden road i always think of in cans but it's nice to see a lot of local brewing companies do cans too because there's some big advantages especially as you travel during the summer we talked about plastic pop bottles there's the same advantages you know bringing a can somewhere you can dump it in a cooler dump the ice on top you don't have to worry about anything breaking and at the end of the day you know what i mean you don't have glass you don't have the potential of broken glass the recycling is a much easier i mean a can of or a bag of cans is nothing a bag of bottles is a real real pain when i think back to the first ever time that i thought about the difference between a bottle and a can i want to say it was keystone i don't remember which beer company that advertised as bottled beer can bottled beer taste in a can maybe it was keystone i don't know they did bitter beer face too anyway the point is when it comes to canning if you're a home brewer you're not there's and not really a lot of options out there. I what mean, are the advantages? Uh, I mean, is there any difference in the way a beer tastes? If you're a craft brewery and you decide you're going to start canning instead of bottling, I believe canning is much cheaper. Yeah. But other um, than that, like for the taste of your beer, is it going to do anything different to your beer if you have 1,000 bottles versus 1,000 cans? I mean, it's looking at the UV. You know, we look at this a lot as home brewers trying to keep our fermenters out of direct sunlight. Uh, and the cans are going to provide that same uh, UV barrier where a dark bottle doesn't let as much UV light through. Um, a can lets none. So you don't have to worry about your beer skunking if you're setting it out on a table or if it's, you know, sitting in a, say a lot of people love to have the large trough full of craft beer sitting out in their backyard this weekend uncovered. 
Um, these are probably not your craft beer fans, but the cans are a great option. You can leave them out there sitting in the sunlight on a bucket of ice, and they're not going to oxidize on you, and they're not going to skunk. So how come bottles haven't evolved to just you know, completely eliminate UV? I mean, you you got aluminum bottles, which do that. But when it comes to the actual glass bottle, what, I mean, do you think that'll be something that down the line might happen where companies would wrap the entire bottle, or would the wrap just offset the cost-benefit? Or I, You got it, and I think it we've already like, seen that some. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember which Belgian brewing company paints their bottles. Um, you know, that's kind of cool. It stops the light. Um, all these things make it harder to recycle the glass at the end of the day, though. Gotcha. Whereas aluminum can, you know, it's a little bit easier. For the home brewer, we suggest maybe coating your bottles in bed liner or something like that. Bed but, liner? Yeah. Hmm. I've done it before. Really? Just to keep the UV? Now that if Not th- to keep the UV. More to keep the bottle intact and gotcha. rough and tumble, but uh, right. dual just- benefit. Yeah, right. Wrap it in some clothing or bedline or whatever. All right, very good. So uh, be on the lookout for those those sets with the craft beer in the can. Uh, it's a sharp looking set too. Nice little baseball theme. It's as I'm sure you know. Sometimes the actual look of it is as, every bit as important as the actual taste. Yeah. And these are kind of collectors editions. These three can sets. So uh, be sure to check those out. Okay. What, would you have something else? Tell nope, you, okay. not on the can. So uh, I'm good. Y East has three summer seasonals. You were in here last week. We talked about these. Um, a little bit. So whether it's the Saison Brett blend, uh, the Beer de Garde, the Farmhouse Ale, the seasonals from Y Yeast, have you seen good action from them? Have you had a chance to actually see how they're developing? Um, we haven't had a chance to brew with them yet. We've had all the ones that came in last week picked up. Uh, we're really excited to use their Farmhouse Ale. And this is going to be great. A lot of brewers are taking them, planning for that beer like this weekend. Um, and if you haven't got any got ingredients, you're a little bit late, and maybe our topic later will kind of give you something to do while you're sitting around wishing you could be brewing. Uh, but the farmhouse ale on these warm weather days is going to be great if you don't have temperature control or if you you know don't want to have temperature control on the hot end as well as the cool end. Um, yeah, it's great. These are like some 80-degree-plus fermenters, so it's going to be great for summer and you know great for a nice, quick summer seasonal beer. So a farmhouse ale, if you wanted to make one, you're saying – Heat is the time to do it. Yeah, you got it. So in summer is a time why yeast is put these yeasts out so that you have the right timing, that you're going to have nice warm fermentation temperatures to carry all the way through and make sure they attenuate out. Um, a lot of people want some of these like the beer de guards and stuff maybe in the fall and winter, but as often as brewing is, you want to be ahead of the schedule. And so you want to be brewing those beers now. Well, when it comes to farmhouse sales, at least for me lately, it's been like, a summer of farmhouse for me. It's what I've been really seeking. Whenever I go to a place, if I see on the board they've got a couple of farmhouse sales, I'm just driven right to those. And when we talked about the the genesis of them, it, it used to be primarily wild yeast yeah. that would that would make these. So if I'm buying a yeast that is a farmhouse ale yeast, is that just they've harnessed a wild one that they've decided that they they like that one a lot? Like how how I guess for anyone that might not understand the difference, like myself. The difference between buying a wild yeast or just, like, throwing open the doors and letting it happen itself. Yeah, you have one yeast in there, not a plethora of yeast that, you know, could, you know, take over, could not. You know, you don't know which one's going to finally ferment everything out. Um, You're going to see a yeast here that has a little bit of a reliable attenuation and a little bit more reliable of a flocculation and um, temperature and pitch rate where... when you get a activator pack and you smack it and you activate it, now instead of having whatever cells drifted into the top of our brew pot like we tried at the store, you have 
you know, 100 billion of them. Mm -hmm. So you have a definite head start over trying to harvest something wild. Or there's a lot of times, and a lot of times, like, you know, why we sources these, not from wild fermentation, but other, you know, Belgian breweries and stuff like that. If you're trying to do this off of a bottle, you know, you're going to get a lot more cells to start with. And you know that it's the primary yeast for the fermentation, not just a conditioning yeast. Well, it's a good summer beer to get started if you want to. Farmhouse sale yeast, one of the three seasonals from uh, Y Yeast available. All right, so we thought about today's show and it's you know fourth of july stores closed today so maybe if you don't have a, you don't have any sort of um materials you're thinking maybe you're stumped for what you might want to brew which yeah. for me it's always I'm, I'm pretty seasonal around holidays christmas i wanted to brew gingerbread i wanted to do an oktoberfest in, in you know september I, I think a lot of people probably go that way they go seasonal and right now our beer of the week last week was a light american pale ale you know fourth of july kind of stuff mm-hmm. so when it comes to looking... Or IPA. IPA is what we IPA, did last week. Yeah. American was two or three weeks. I, three I, weeks ago, I, Lambic. Yes, that's right. week before. That's right. So I'm glad you're keeping track of these because my, my brain's all over the place. When it comes to inspirations for beers, are there, in your opinion, great little, I don't know, summer, maybe people are on vacation, pilgrimages that you can go on if you wanted to go to Michigan's got a couple good breweries. Maybe you go visit Founders and like check around and get some inspiration from Founders or I don't know, any sort of inspirations. Where do you where do you suggest people find them? Well, I mean anywhere you go. And I think like you were talking about going to Florida and really picking up a lot of beers there that you know can't get around here. Whenever yep. you travel, try the local beer source because there's going to be a different kind of uh, flavor to the beer. Now, you know, in Buffalo here we tend to have kind of richer beers because we're a cold wintry city and so the flagship beers from our breweries are going to be richer higher alcohol beers if you travel down to florida and you're looking for some summer inspiration you're going to tend to see a lot more lighter beers or a lot more summery beers because it's you know no joke a lot warmer in florida yeah, well uh, yeah it was 90 i was there last week and it was 95 degrees and i actually had I mean, a lot of, I, I always do that, whether it's a baseball stadium or I'm always going to get the local beer. And it, it'll inspire me to brew my own. You know, this show is about home brewing and ideas for home brewing. At the Florida Panthers Arena, they have a coconut ale. Now, I'd never had, I don't even know if I'd ever heard of coconut in a beer. And this was, I mean, this was coconut. It was a coconut oh, yeah. ale beer, and it was fantastic. Like, exactly the kind of beer you might want to do if it's, I mean, hotter than the sun, which Florida could be pretty yeah. hot. So a refreshing coconut ale. And, you know, we've talked about how to how to get fruits into beers. Coconut is not one you're often going to think about. No, and it has some oils that I know can cause some problems. And it's something we might have to look into for a future recipe of the week here. I haven't uh, ever brewed a coconut ale with actual raw coconut. Is it one of these I've ones like pumpkin cooking where you extract? Just... Or, no, no, you, you're going to want to use some coconut okay. in there. I've had beers that have a hint of con- coconut, whether it's been uh, an extract or uh, sriracha ace hops, which kind of give you a coconut pineapple feel to the beer. But I've never actually tried one with, like, you know, a whole coconut. Yeah. Coconut Al. I don't remember who made it, but Cigar City is a big brewer down there. They have, I think they make the High Lie, which is an IPA. They have a Nut Brown. Sweetwater Ale was another one. So if you see any Cigar City anywhere, I would say, you know, Make the run down all of their stuff. It's a very popular brewery, and they've got another one called another brewery, the Funky Buddha. Maybe might be a beer or a brewery. You know, I was asking everybody in sight, what should I drink? What are the good beers? And this is where, like, uh, you know, an app like Untapped could have come in handy if I had actually checked and I could remember. The remember, beer. yeah, the I beers you were trying. But I was just, you know, 
sampling everything I could. So when it comes to cloning brews, the internet's going to have a clone for almost every beer you you could possibly. Or at take. least something to point you in the right direction. And even if you're not traveling this summer, um, there's a lot of other ways to kind of get your inspirations for your beers too. And, and this is something we get asked a lot because a lot of people come in, they look at the wall of box kits and they have no idea what they want to brew. Um, a lot of times, and I think maybe this might be uh, a good uh, recipe of the, the week here for us too later, um, but you get these kind of food inspirations and you want to turn them into beer inspirations. And this summertime when you're, you know, eating a lot of barbecue food and stuff like that, I know two years ago, I wanted to have a good rich beer to go with barbecue. So I ended up making like a smoked brown porter recipe, which a lot of people might have tried if they come into the store on our one of our box kits. Um, but you want to try to match food, you know, with your beer, obviously. And this is a good time to do it if you're smoking a big, you know, pig or, you know, making ribs or something like that. You want to try to find a match of beer. So sometimes the food can be your inspiration as well. Ingredient highlights, sometimes like coconut or you mentioned yeah. barbecue food, classic styles, traveling. What about fusions? The fusions now, we've touched on that a lot, and that works out really well. I'm thinking as we kind of talked about beer inspirations, uh, I kind of looked at where I get mine, and I was kind of thinking of a fusion ale as well. I mean, you see one set of ingredients or maybe something you want to use out of, uh, say, a Belgian white or something like that, and we did like a Belgian white IPA, um, and you want to kind of match that with your nice citrusy hops. So you see like a Belgian white ale usually has like anything from tangerine, grapefruit, you know, bitter, sweet orange peel and some spices in it, and you take out those spices and you want to put in your nice hops. So you still have a summer-orientated beer, but still those nice citrusy hop flavors that you loved in the winter. Countless options, countless opportunities to just go off the board. What is, what's the strangest ingredient you've tried? Um, hmm. That's a that's a hard question. I mean, there's a lot of fruits like uh, juniper or something like that where you try to work into an IPA that are usually don't see in beer making and are quite bitter. So kind of hitting that real nice, you know, level of it um is kind of hard um you know like uh i've put in a lot of stuff that doesn't come out with any flavor you're talking about pumpkin you know i've done like rhubarb and uh things like that does rhubarb have a watermelon taste? watermelon it does when you bake it in a pie but okay. when you put it into your beer a lot of these things are turn out to be cellulose and water um, with watermelon nothing nothing much hell or high watermelon uh, there are a couple different flavors in the world where I mean, have grape soda. It doesn't taste like grapes. It's like the flavor grape soda. Orange soda is the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and watermelon tends to be like, if I taste it in a beer, it tastes like watermelon flavoring, which is not a bad thing. I, I, I really like uh, the Hell or High Watermelon from 21st yeah. We century. have like a watermelon flavoring that I use to kind of make up when my watermelon beer had no watermelon flavor. Did like a watermelon Blondale, and it tasted like a Blondale. A little bit of fruitiness was totally mass. You could just assume it maybe it was hops or something like that. But the watermelon flavoring extract definitely added a nice touch to it quick and easy at kegging time. Oh, that sounds like a great summer beer. Watermelon. Mm. I, I like the Heller High Watermelon. That's a great one. And maybe that'll be next on my list. All right. We've got to get to our question of the week when we return, our recipe of the week as well. Um, you can send in your inspirations to us at NT Just Brew It uh, on the web nthomebrew.com. Your questions are always uh, welcome, of course. So we'll get to our question of the week from Peter in Buffalo when we return here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It.
Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Happy birthday again to America. Happy Independence Day. This is uh, Just Brew It on ESPN 1520 from Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supplies. Jeremy White and Bert Deister here uh, with you. If you catch us halfway through, on demand at WGR550.com or any show, we archive them on demand at WGR's website as well. And we're here every Saturday morning here on ESPN 1520. Stores closed today, open again on Monday. So if you need your supplies from Niagara Tradition, remember it's Monday. Uh, if you missed our first segment, talked a lot about inspiration for uh, brewing up your next homebrew. But our question of the week is from Peter. And he asks, can I substitute dried malt extract for corn sugar when priming? And if so, how and why? Well, this is a question we get a lot. And we get a lot of more of the why. You know, why should I? And uh, priming with malt will give your beer a little bit cleaner of a flavor um, and a little bit rounder of a mouthfeel. You're not just adding... Um, corn sugar. You're not just adding sugar for the yeast to process into CO2. You're giving them a full range of nutrients again, as well as you're going to leave a little bit of sugar and stuff uh, left over. A little bit more of that maltotriose or maltodextrin won't get fermented. Uh, we'll have a little bit of fresh flavor to it. You usually see this on Hefeweizens, which I know I bottle conditioned uh, Hefeweizen with wheat recently because um, I wanted it to be very authentic. I wanted it to have that nice, rich mouthfeel. This is a bottle conditioned beer that I'll be drinking right out of the bottle. Um, the one thing about priming with your malt extract is you have to have a little bit of forethought here, and you got to be thinking of it usually the night before you bottle. With the corn sugar, we're used to just boiling it up for 15 to 20 minutes to pasteurizing it, letting it cool for another minute, or maybe topping it off with some cold water out of a bottle from the refrigerator, and then immediately mixing it in and just going. With the malt extract, you still have to boil it. Now, you're not just pasteurizing here, but you also need that hot break or cold break that you get in your boil when you're uh, boiling the wort initially. And the reason is if you end up just taking the malt extract and putting it into the beer, you're still going to have a lot of uh, short protein chains, which are going to cause chill haze or, um, you know, kind of a milky mouthfeel to the beer, as well as a couple of goobers down at the bottom, you know, floating around in the sediment. So what you're going to do is going to boil it. Once you see that protein break, you're going to take your little saucepan, you're going to put it into a cold bath, just like you would your wort. Um, and then once it's cold, put it into a sanitized growler and let it separate overnight. And just like, you know, when you let your, you know, beer sit after the primary fermentation, you're going to see a large you know, clump of protein at the bottom and your nice, you know, maltose, maltose trios and glucose up at the top. And you're going to want to take that and just pour it in like your primer. So it's a quick, easy way to get, you know, a lot of uh, mouthfeel and a lot of uh, head retention to your beer. So benefits high and risk low. You got it. Hmm. Yeah. And if you don't get the boil, the worst is you get cloudy beer, which won't be that bad. Now, when you say bottle condition, what makes 
a beer bottle conditioned? What specific step other than just putting it in a bottle? Well, I mean, the fact that you're re-fermenting the beer in the bottle to trap over a lot of CO2 instead of, you know, artificially carbonating, which is what you see most big breweries do where you put the carbonic acid into the beer and then you put it into bottles and trap it. When you're cast conditioning, you're letting it naturally uh, carbonate by the yeast. But the other thing is there's a lot other chemicals in there besides CO2. And so you tend to get a nice, you know, ester of the yeast just from the bottle conditioning, trapping that inside the bottle. Stuff that you produce during the first three days of fermentation that normally if you artificially carbonate will be lost because you'll be replacing it with only CO2 and not this full range of gases that the yeast produce. And which styles are more, I don't know, is, are there some beers that you would not bother bottle conditioning, some, some styles that you would and some that you wouldn't? Um, I always do English bitters and Hefeweizens. Um, they tend to have very phenolic or, you know, yeast. Now, these are not bad phenols. These are good things, whether it's butterscotch in the bitter or banana and clove in the Hefeweizen. Um, and you really want to trap these flavors in the bottle. And so those are the ones I tend to go to where they're really yeast profile focused. Now, I guess you could say that any... Um, beer that has a kind of yeasty profile is the main flavor of the beer is what you want to bottle condition. All right. Well, there you go. Peter, thank you for the question. Again, you can send us questions at NT Just Brew It or at NT Homebrew. I also wanted to ask you about a, a type of beer we haven't spent too much time with here. You know, we've talked IPAs and um, we've talked Hefeweizens and, and Belgians and uh, Pale Ales. I don't think we've ever really talked about on any level Brown Ales. Yeah. And I think that they might be, not they're not the forgotten beer, but you don't hear people talking about brown ales all that much. I know CBW makes one. Um, Newcastle is one of the more famous brown ales. This past week when I was down in Florida, Cigar City made a brown ale that I, I never think to get brown ales. And I thought, I just want the local one, so I'll try the brown ale. And I found that I really enjoyed it. When it comes to brown ales, like people don't view them the same way that you might view IPAs having a scale. You know, you've got crisp or you've got... Um, bitter with brown ales what's the scale they run a long gamut and and the two that you mentioned there you tend to see um like english brown ales and and they they kind of categorize them as a couple different types of brown ales be very sweet and you know have caramel tones to them or butterscotch tones um and they're actually rather light in color then you see american brown ales tend to have this kind of dry nutty background um, and they can be really diverse, and that's a you know a great thing about beer. With IPAs, we think of the diversity in the hops. With the brown ales, the diversity is more focused on the malt and what specialty malts you're putting into it. What malts bring out the the nuttiest flavor? I tend to look at like the German uh, Carafa Specials or the English like pale chocolate, and a lot of time uh, roasted malts. So we see a lot of people making blonde stouts which are kind of have to me more of a brown ale feel to them because they have a heavy load of special roast or something like that so they're, they're not black in color but you're getting a little bit of a roasty tone to them and if you use a brown ale if you decide you want to make a nuttier brown ale is it all malt or are there i mean are people putting nut extract is that a thing that you could even we, use? we have yeah and um there's a hazelnut um brown ale uh, very hazelnutty at the coffee. Al- yep. Yeah, um, at like alternative, yeah, alternative brews. It's very, very sweet. Has a lot of hazelnut in it. We have a 
uh, rogue brewing company, Hazelnut Extract, that they provide to homebrew shops um, that's really popular and something that you, I guess, you kind of see a resurgence of this, uh, you know, brown ale and flavoring because these big malty beers tend to, you know, balance out a lot of other bitter flavors. Rogue hazelnut i feel like i've seen it and I, i've never had it there's another place where yeah. you know inspiration could be good would you just we actually they actually have a box kit too and we have the box kit with instructions from the, the brewmaster if you ever want to make it we also have the hazelnut flavoring extract and if you want to enjoy a cigar and a hazelnut beer head to alternative brews on sheridan drive yeah. they have a house hazelnut brown ale that's really do good. you find that brown ales are bringing up the rear of the caboose when it comes to what types of beer people are making um, you got it. I think it's um, an old faithful. I know I have a couple brown ale recipes that are always, I know I will always like. Um, they're good session beers. They're good flavorful beers. They're good beers paired with hot food. Um, yeah, no, we see a lot of people make them. We, we sell a lot of brown ale box kits, I can tell you that. Um, but we don't see as many commercially, mm. which is always interesting. Just brew it here. Jeremy White, Burt Deister on ESPN 1520. Finally, uh, our recipe of the week. Here we have it's uh, July 4th. It's Independence Day. So what are we thinking for our recipe of the week? Again, you won't be able to pick it up until Monday. So if you're going to brew it, you know, maybe by next week we have an idea of, uh, you know, fermentation, how far that's gone. What is our recipe of the week? Well, we'll go with your uh, beer inspiration this week. I think it's, it's Independence Day. Our forefathers were big brewers. We need to go with an American brown ale. Love Maybe it. with a spruce tip or hazelnut, you know, option too. If you're looking to go spruce for classic American independent style, if you're looking for more of, uh, you know, modern, we'll go with the hazelnut extract. What kind of yeasts do brown ales take? Uh, brown ales usually American or English. Um, pretty standard. Yeah, pretty standard yeast. Um, so it's going to be an easy one to ferment at 65 to 72 degrees. So if you have air conditioning this weekend, I think you'll be okay. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's going to be a standard, and the hop bill will be fairly low, right? Mm-hmm. What separates, you know, I'm gonna, we've, we've done this before, porter to stout, it's not that big, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just what people decide to say. How about brown ale to stout to porter? Like, I mean, in color, people might not tell the difference, but what separates a brown ale with the certain malts from a porter? Porter, you're not going to have those really rich coffee or smoky tones that you see on a porter or stout. So if you say like a porter, you tend to taste more coffee. In a stout, you tend to taste more of the roast or almost smokiness. In a brown ale, you're going to get more of a nutty, really light roasted malts to kind of provide a nice, you know, soft flavor. All right. So if you like dark beers and you've already run through stouts and you've run through porters, now's the season for brown ales for and you. If, and if you have friends that when as soon as they see a beer and it's dark and they say, that's too heavy for me, you've got to kick them of that habit. Yeah. People do that a lot. Ah, it looks a little too heavy for me. Like, it's actually a really light beer. It's just the color of it. It's not It's not really heavy at all. Yeah. I don't know. I, I tend to kind of resent that. Like, what do you mean? It's not heavy. It's... Just a beer. Yeah. I find IPAs, some of them, to be really heavy. Oh, yeah, and they're very light in color right. and very deceiving. Yeah, it's, a, it's a misconception because every American beer for a long time was crystal clear and light, and everybody assumed that was kind of the standard for flavorless. Yeah. All right, Bert. Well, have a happy Independence Day, happy holiday to you and uh, the you whole too. family and the store and the shop and everybody that's there. Enjoy the, uh, the weekend off. Enjoy. Back to and it Monday. a little bit of independent brewing. Independent Brewing. Celebrate with some independent brewing. Uh, we are back next week, same time here on ESPN 1520. So for uh, you know any past shows, our website, on demand at WGR550.com, or we'll talk to you next week right here on ESPN 1520. Same time, it's Niagara Traditions. Just brew it. 
So we say, Happy Independence Day. Go oh, brew, brew yourself. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.